I'm Sean Bowers. And I'm George Huffnagel. And this is Jelly Vision's Talking Better. Today's conversation, cover your kids' ears because we're learning how to swear better. My parents did not at all try to curb their swearing. Not at all. If it causes someone to recoil at its intensity, then it may apply itself as a quote-unquote bad word. I don't want to seem unprepared for swearing. Let's start with a just a quick heads up. We're not bleeping anything out in this conversation. Good. Let the people hear. <laughs> so just a heads up in case you're in the car with kids, at work, listening on your computer. If you have it on speaker while you're on the toilet at work. And with it being our last episode, we're also doing a slight format change. <gasps> it, the format change is we are not having an opening conversation. You are coming into the lair not knowing exactly how we're going to talk about this topic. I don't topic. know what's going to happen. Okay. So we're diving right in. There is no human expert. I'm relying on three articles that are going to give us different viewpoints ah, about swearing. That's why you said human expert. I was wondering what kind of expert. Well, it's, there are it, humans involved. Human-driven. Not a live human feedback. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. getting more thoughtful. Uh, I shouldn't say thoughtful. You're getting more of a you know researched, yeah. article-based post, yeah. uh, which has been digested into easy-to-read formats. Okay. So I'm going to present you a lot of information. All right. And I want to hear your reactions, of course, and you'll hear more coworker reactions. That part is definitely staying here. Are they going to yell so, swear words So at this us? will be a slice of culture at our company, at Jellyvision. Okay. And uh, we'll conclude, like, going out the door, like, knowing a little bit more about how we feel about swearing here. Yeah. But first question, Sean, let's dive in. What's your favorite swear word? I mean, I like my swears in general. I think they are uh, the salt and pepper of the English language. I think you can sprinkle them liberally. I think my favorite swear word, though, is dipshit. Shit in general is a good multipurpose swear word. But dipshit, you get that little, like, twist on the dip, dipshit. You're being a real dipshit. And it's when you can kind of call people casually that is both... A legitimate insult, but also like a loving insult. Like, well, he's being a real dipshit right now. It's it speaks to my personal brand, my persona. It's always an exclamation point at the end of it. You can always throw that on there. I don't know what's what, what's yours. What's your go to? I like making up swear words, mm. but is that even a swear word if you make it up? It, just because in your mind you've functionally, said it's a swear word. The whole so. point the whole point of swear words is the function of them, I think. Yeah. Like and what differentiates them from other words yeah. is how we treat them. But we'll come back to me in that part of the okay. conversation. Okay. We'll get into the coworkers. We're going to dive right in and hear what they have to say. Yeah. So you like dipshit. So I do. Carl Hauk, I don't know if you know Carl, he's a support analyst here. Okay. He also likes shit a lot. Like holy shit like can be used for to to show like surprise and and in kind of a good way. Or that's the shit or this is some good shit or you know like that kind of stuff. So it's a flexible word. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I think it's the addendum of shit to various words that yeah. That it's works like well. stuff. It kind of fits in yeah. different places. Uh, so let's take a quick turn here. Jody Evenson. Yeah. She's our director of UX and graphic design. I, I have to come right out of the gate and say motherfucker. I've heard she, I've been not on the receiving end of it, but she's an expertly deploys motherfucker all around town. I've seen it. When she says it, it's always by itself in a sentence it's the entire sentence there's a period on the end of it not an exclamation point and it comes at you like like a the point of a spear just like <laughs> she's like motherfucker and you're like oh huh, 
You like oh, there's a wound on your body. It's a whole thing. You have yeah. to go to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Use my HSA. Want to be next to Jody more often. And so Moses, Edward Moses, is yeah. his full name, but we lovingly call him Colloquially Moses. Colloquially known. Uh, at the time I spoke to him, he was working in IT. He's now a support engineer, but mm-hmm. um, he also loves the word fuck. Okay. But here is his take on why fuck is not necessarily a bad swear word per okay. se. Fuck doesn't have a connotation. Fuck doesn't have an ethnicity. Fuck doesn't have hang-ups. Fuck is not marginalized. Fuck is just fuck. Wow. He said fuck so many times and in such a powerful way. And I heard everything else he was saying, but uh, boy, his use of the word fuck, he's got a good ownership of the word fuck. He de- he's got a presence in his voice. That's a rhythmic funny. fuck cadence, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Talking better. Better talking. So the question for you then and you've alluded to this, is should we swear at work? Should we? We can, but should we? Right. Yeah, I don't know. What's your gut reaction? I would like to think yes, because, well, A, I do it already, so, hello, I need it to be yes in order to stay in work. But also, like, I think it speaks to the type of place that you work. Like, if I was in a place that was so buttoned up that I couldn't curse, it wouldn't be for me necessarily. Okay. We're going to start with why you shouldn't swear at work. Okay. So this is from a CNN business article, as recently as July, is written by Catherine Vassell. It's called, We All Do It, But Is Swearing at Work Really Okay? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Catherine. So the first category are legal issues. So uh-huh. probably the most foreboding reason to not swear at work. Prison. So this is from Richard Alanese, who is a labor and employment attorney. Okay. He says, as profanity becomes more common, it becomes more difficult to control. By ignoring and thinking expletives have become so commonplace, they run the risk of a potential legal liability, which is a hostile work environment. Mm-hmm. So I could see that. One example here is, for instance, if you work with a person who is religious yeah. and you drop goddamns or Jesus Christ's yeah. around the office liberally, it might make this person uncomfortable yeah. and lead down the road of hostile work environment. That checks out. So Jody had an example of a friend of hers she talked about and, and how she was cursing around her and, and the conversation they had. Because I have some friends that are pretty religious and I said, God damn it, and things like that in front of them for years. And then after a while, I'm like, wait a minute, does that bother you? Like, <laughs> and uh, my one really dear friend that I've known since first grade, she's like, well, I always notice it. And then I thought, oh, I shouldn't do that then. I'm, you know, applying my nails to the chalkboard for her, even though she is kind of no longer religious. So I try to be careful about that. That's an interesting case, though, because that's like the religious uh, swearing or whatever, because I'm cognizant of that, too. I think like what Moses was saying, if you're if you're using like fuck or shit or something like that, there's not really like a, well, God fuck or something like that. There's not one of those that it exists with fuck. It's not like you're you're critiquing or calling out like a personal preference or belief to use certain words. But I can see like goddamn those being a little bit more, almost like a parenthetical, like a subgenre of cursing that can get you in some additional trouble. Even though to me, to my ears, they're not as extreme of words or phrases as like a fuck or shit. 
Right. The the radar of the person hearing it is more sensitive to yeah. that particular coupling than yeah. some of the other more intense ones. Um, okay. So, well, Richard uh, said, well, he said it's rare for an employer to fire anybody for an occasional swear word. He's had clients terminate employees for repeatedly using vulgar or profane language. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls under anti-discrimination laws, essentially. And those people should be fired. I'll say it. If you do it again and again and again and you're not self-aware, again, self-awareness comes up every episode. If you're not self-aware of your environment and you can't modify yourself, then, yeah, that's that, that goes beyond, like, swearing being the problem. The problem is that you're an asshole, I think, or a dipshit, if you will. <laughs> when he's a softer assessment. Yeah. So, for instance, example, you're ignoring slurs about race, gender. Yeah. Uh, ethnicity, disability, sexual orientation, That's all or gross. even sexual innuendos. All that stuff is gross. That can get really Don't crazy. Use that but you're, stuff. but the, the thing, point is, is, like if you're creating a, an environment where you're letting language be more casual and slip out, you might invite that to... part of somebody who might be more filtering of their own language and be sensitive. Yeah. Say, fuck it, I don't need to police my language as much. If you can say fuck, I can say these other words that I feel are in the bucket of that family. So. It just invites people who are going to be assholes to be assholes more overtly. So, one thing I did ask is, what exactly is a swear word? Yeah, and how do you identify it? That's the tricky part: is finding out what the actual bucket of swear words are. And uh, Moses had this to say about what he thinks they are: if it causes someone to possibly recoil at its intensity inside the breadth of its usage or the the social constant content or construction of its usage, then it may apply itself as a quote unquote curse and or bad word. It's not the same recoil that we get concerning, you know, racial slurs or homophobic slurs or things like that. These are, I feel like these are aspects of language that not only lend themselves to reclamation by the people who have been marginalized by them, but also carry a completely different weight and connotation because it's caused people to come to grievous or bodily harm or disablement. No one's going to die if I say the word fuck. Yeah, yeah. slur to me is like, well, and well, a lot of what you were describing there, of like it's opening up the floodgates for assholes. It, it seems like... It, it's almost like curse swears and curses, generic swears and curses are being treated as like a gateway drug. Then they think that's going to get everybody like high on slurs or whatever. <laughs> but I do think that slurs, that's like a, a different bridge that uh, you need more than the base emotions like I was describing before of like enthusiasm or uh, frustration to cross that bridge. That's driven by some darker character problems that you would have, I think, because there's never an excuse for slurs. All right. So we're going to stick with two more pieces here about don't doing it. Don't do it, Sean. Uh, Okay. All right. First, uh, avoid putting it in writing. No paper trail. Exactly. There's no paper trail. I didn't say fuck. So uh, Vicky Salemi from monster.com, you might have heard that. The energy drink? Exactly. No, the career website where you search for Jesus. Oh, damn it. You might have sent the the email or Slack jokingly to a coworker, but then all of a sudden the email goes up the leadership chain. It's out of your hands. It's now you have to viral. defend it from an off you know offline. So reading a bad word can come off worse since there's no context with body language and tone. So you might want to remove any liability to your brand. She says. 
My brand? Your personal brand, Sean. She lost me when she started talking about my brand, but go on. Okay, so that's that's the end of that. Just be careful with the email. Don't No more fuck mail. Got it. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Um, Wait, I shouldn't write it down. But here's the positive outcomes. So mm-hmm. around the right crowd, it can sound more colloquial. So express intense emotions in a safe way. Yeah. Encourage camaraderie, break tension and stress. And then this from my professor of psychology at Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts in Berkshires. He says, this is Timothy J. Timothy J. comes up a lot, apparently. This is his, his expertise. They will say that it makes me seem more like one of them and not on a pedestal. So it makes you seem like a normal person mm-hmm. swearing. Man of the people. Someone I'd get a beer with. You know I'm, I'm talk, talk, a talk, and you talk, a talk bitter. You ready to switch gears? I'm ready. All right. This is from an article called Swearing at Work is Scientifically Proven to be Good for You. Science? Seriously. Exclamation point. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. Science. This dude. is from Brooke Nelson and Reader's Digest from 2016. Reader's Digest. Science? Are you sure? It's referencing a lot of scientific journals. Okay, okay. So the first thing they do is they reference this survey, the Reich survey, W-R-I-K-E. It's a project management software company. 1,500 American workers regarding their swearing habits. Okay. 57% admitted to swearing in the workplace. It's still a chunky number. It's chunky, yes. 41% swearing is too casual and unprofessional is what they say. Screw those people. And 49% say they occasionally swear in the workplace, while 25% say they swear daily. Hell yeah. That's you? One a day. One a day for Like the... a vitamin, baby. Here's an interesting part. 60% of women admit swearing, 55% of men. Huh. Okay. Equal rights swearing. So I asked Jody about her feelings about swearing in this regard, and she had an interesting thought about the women in our workplace. I feel like... Women who are younger than me, like millennials and younger, are smarter and more deliberate about language use, especially reclaimed words like bitch and the C word and stuff. I think they're more thoughtful in their language than I am. And I I feel like even if I don't intend something to be offensive, I know that it can be. And I think that younger women are are just more aware of that. And I'm proud of these women that I'm thinking of because they've bothered to think about it and behave accordingly. Like they're, they're, they're living by their principles and I'm kind of not, even though I think that I am. One of my principles is that I think that language really is about intent. But some people might t- not take it that way, in which case the intent is not as important as the affect. I mean, if I didn't intend to kill someone, that's manslaughter, right? Generally. Involuntary manslaughter. I've never committed manslaughter. Let's try it sometime. It's a revelation. Uh, no, that yeah, that makes sense what she's saying. This study, uh, this article, excuse me, from Reader's Digest references the four instances it's okay to swear. Okay. You ready? I get four. Number one, when you're in pain. Yes. When you're angry. About the pain, yeah. When you're feeling helpless. Because I'm so in pain. (laughs) And when you're on hold. That's always painful. Though I do like the music. I'm a smooth jazz aficionado, so... Getting some of that Dave Koss in there. That's pretty good. Oh, good reference. Thank you so much. Sexophonist. <laughs> and uh, Moses, he, he talks about when he gave himself permission to swear when he was working in IT. Humans make machines, but humans are imperfect. So occasionally, so machines are imperfect. 
And because humans do imperfect things while using an imperfect machine, which has an imperfect thing made by an imperfect human, occasionally those imperfections are going to leak out. And all the reaching from imperfect to perfect in all of those cases is a bridge that is effectively littered with cutting my thumbs or my hands being so dry from winding cords that they split open. But all of those things taking into consideration, all of those bridges, all of those injuries, all of those inconsiderations, not necessarily upon the part of the imperfect human that created the imperfect machine with the imperfect thing on it, but the perfect storm of shit that has resulted as the consequence of all of those things happening sort of invites it, I feel like. I'm talking better, better, better. Now we have a pro and we have a con of swearing. We're going to go a little bit into the science of it. Data, statistics. Yes. This is actually an article called The Science of Swearing from psychologicalscience.org. Okay. Okay. I trust them because they're a .org. This is a co-authored study by Timothy J. again. Hey, what's this guy's deal? He is all about it. And He's Kristen Janschewitz. So the first question is, is swearing problematic or harmful? Let's hear from Jody about the purpose. To me, f- swearing is um, more just expressive. It's just like another paintbrush color to express whatever and it's usually done while i'm driving if you're listening right now jody if you're live that's the show (laughs) driving i used to just get really angry and yell and now that i'm a parent i try to say very specifically i'm like i i hope that you get into an accident that you aren't injured in but that costs you hundreds of dollars and that i will say very intently and angrily. And that's almost worse than just being like, fuck you. Because then <laughs> now you're getting into this weird thing of like, well, you want them to get into an accident? You're giving them a sentence. But like, like, it's like a, yeah, it's a like, jur- I don't want to chew on this for a while, but you're making me think. I don't know. So the study that they did suggests that most uses are not problematic. So they recorded over 10,000 episodes of public swearing by children and adults, and rarely witness negative consequences. That's good. So most public uses of taboo words aren't in anger. They're innocuous or produce positive consequences. So laughter, for instance. So instead of thinking of swearing as uniformly harmful, the better question to ask is, what are the communication goals that you have with it? Okay. They put a disclaimer on this study. They said, while we describe the data about frequency and self-reports about offensiveness— the data tend to come from samples that overrepresent young white middle class Americans. So the d- data in this study skews that way. Okay. And a much wider and more diverse sample is needed to better characterize the use of taboo language to more accurately understand all the questions involved. Hmm. So we're going to close on this part of the conversation with a piece from Moses who talks about when he was a child and how self conscious he was and okay. the thoughtfulness he had to put behind his language. I came from like I came from something where before hip hop found me I was interested in slam poetry or poetry overall or prose. So I was writing and entering writing contests, you know, and things like that and there wasn't really a place for it. And so alongside with alongside this terrible uh like a cloud of policed behavior that follows brown children but specifically follows black children. Um, I already stuck out like a sore, like a sore fucking thumb because I was, I was academically inclined. I was told that I talked like I was white, you know, and there was all of this. So when you add, you know, the, the want to curse on top of that, 
people, you know, would, I have a feeling people would sort of look at me as like, well, what do we do with him? We are offended because he's used this language, but, but look, he's this, you know, quote unquote, civilized young man, you know, this wonderful, respectful young man who, you know, does this, that, and the third, does all these Boy Scout merit badges, whatever. It's like, you know, what do we, you know, what do we make of this? It's good to understand the extra steps some people have to take about their language in order to be perceived in a positive way. Yeah. So a lot of the uh, things that we might feel okay doing at work, maybe, you know, some coworkers might feel a little bit more yeah. hesitant to use because they would be perceived in a negative way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking better. I want to leave on a, a fun note. Uh, do you want some tips and tricks? For swearing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So our coworkers, I I asked them like a little bit of some creativity in their swearing or how they like to use their swearing. Yeah. So we'll go back to Moses one more time. And you like the word shit. Yeah. He likes the word fuck. Yeah. He's going to compare and contrast. Okay. Okay. And think about which one's a better useful word. I cannot remember the context, but there was on a show on NPR that is no longer in circulation uh, that described shit as the most versatile word in the English language. And the first thing I thought, I was like, wait a minute. In in terms of the, you know, some of the deadly, like, you know, the deadly 13 or the deadly 7, where, you know, no, depending upon how your language is opposed, like with respect to cursing envelops or, you know, un- unfolds, uh, I felt like fuck was the most versatile word because it's a state of being, it is an action, it's a verb, it's a transitive verb. It is, uh, it's present, it's past participle. It fits into all these weird little nooks of the English language where it can, you know, not, it can pepper, intensify, or de-intensify a situation or a sentence or a given sentence within a situation. He's right. I, I don't know. They're both so versatile. They're both like, you, you know how we don't just wear one shoe? We wear two shoes because we got two feet. Fuck is your left shoe. Shit is your right shoe. And why not wear two shoes? You know, you don't want to be the guy with one shoe. <laughs> you look like a weirdo. Well put. Thanks. All right. Tip number two from Jody. Sometimes I even use, um, I invent new, like I'll use goddamn as a pronoun. <laughs> um so, like, that goddamn over there, go pick up your goddamn. <laughs> um, it's, it's just fun. I will say secret swears, as I may call them right now. I just came up with that. I do. Define that for me. You Well, and I think you are a user of secret swears. I think you were talking about you like to make up your swears. I find that there are things that if I say them, other people may not realize that what I've just said is a horrific insult to you. But... For instance, uh, and this is driven by the way that people often search for words to describe something. Like if you show them a piece of art or you like invite your parent to a play and they're like, oh, that was so creative. And they use the word creative to sort of like cover that they don't they don't maybe care or they don't have the words to like articulate whatever this thing is. So if I happen to say like, oh, that was so creative or whatever. What I'm actually saying to you is like, <laughs> uh, you basic, basically. <laughs> I'm saying like, you, uh, like, oh yeah, like, oh, I mean, it's pretty creative. Like, I'm trying to think how I, I use it. I do it often as like self-referential. 
I do it with like Rachel, my wife at home a lot, where to her, not to her, but like in reference to, I'll be doing like a a character bit or something where I'll I'll, I'll be talking about like yeah, like I just wrote this poem and like you know I, I wrote a lot of words in it like it's pretty creative I guess but like it's like the way that you would describe yourself it's like something that assholes would say to describe themselves kind of and so that makes it a swear word to me of like but no but if I just said oh yeah that was so creative I don't think somebody on the surface would know that I'm calling them basic I hope I'm there next time you use that yeah. so I can <laughs> give them an aside I'll like, just look over to you out of the corner of my eye and you'll know that I think that person's basic that glance yeah alright what are your secret swears though you have some secret swears I okay so I, I, I was waiting for Carl to chime in here okay you, you wait if you Carl want hits the, the nail on the head for me okay because I appreciate Carl's take on it I just like um, how language can be inventive and I think that's what I like about certain swear words or curse words that people have kind of like built upon uh like i i i really do like the word like clusterfuck you know or shitstorm yeah like words like those are really fun because i just think they add a little bit of i don't know showmanship to just like the regular word and like become something greater than than the you know the original word so uh, that's where I feel most comfortable is yeah. coming up with new ones. And I asked Carl for an example of something he came up with, and this is, you might find this one fun. One word that I came up with, kind of with my brothers, and then it became a big thing, like in the English department where I used to teach, where just everyone kind of used it eventually, was uh, the word clown sauce. It's a it's a compound word. Uh, it can be used as a verb, a noun, an adjective. So you can be talking about a clown sauce, just like some guy who's just kind of incompetent. Um, you know, you can talk about how he, how he was clown saucing around um, or he did a really clown sauce thing. I love clown sauce. Clown sauce, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something you get on a crusty Burger. Yeah. I I liked, I, I used fuck nuts for a long time. That's been a, a personal favorite. I was using Sloopy Dilb for a while, <laughs> which technically is like an abbreviation for Dilbert. What is, what's a Dilb? You being a real Sloopy Dilb over there. And Sloopy just sounds kind of like, I don't know, like goopy, but also sloppy. Yeah, uh, Sloopy Dilb. Yeah. It's like something you have to really take to the dry cleaners to yeah, get you out of your clean clothes. That. To close out, uh, do you have any final thoughts or feelings about swearing that came up in the instance of this conversation yeah i mean i'm just hoping i don't get fired anytime soon uh based on this episode or <laughs> previous episodes of my life that i'm now uh reevaluating no i think it's just you just got to be careful i think that's uh that's what i'm hearing is that uh, don't don't be the guy that everyone's like oh here comes the fuck guy like you don't want to be the fuck guy but if you're the guy that occasionally says fuck so, you don't have to curse to curse you no. know you can put a curse on someone without saying a curse. You know, <laughs> wizards don't say fuck is all I'm saying. Well, I think we went out with a uh, bang, a fucking bang, if you will. It's last episode. It's been quite a run here on Talking Better, but I think it's safe to say we've single-handedly improved the communication skills of, what, everyone on Earth, would you say? Uh, almost. Just maybe, minus a few, perhaps, that don't get radio or TV or podcasting. Yeah, but Who can help them? But they should know, if they do, that Talking Better is hosted and produced by me, George Hupnagel. And me, Sean Bowers. We send our most positive of swears to this episode's super special guests, Edward Moses, Jody Evenson, and Carl Hauk. And we thanked him a thousand times, but we're going to thank him one last time. 
Jason Knox for giving us some awesome theme music and Travis Mandrell for scatting his little heart out on top of it. Oh, that's so sweet. And one more special shout out to our employer, benefactor, and recording home, Jelly Vision. Uh, as we've said a thousand times now, this is our last episode, for now at least. Who knows when we might pop back up in the future. Uh, so we're not going to ask you to go review the show on iTunes or whatever. If you want to tell a friend, that'd be great. you got a nice little five-episode set here to spread around. But we do want to thank uh, you for listening. And I want to thank George, sitting across from me right now, for thinking up this bad boy to begin with, making it happen. I can only speak for myself, but I know I've learned a bunch of tricks and tactics over these last few episodes for being a better interpersonal communicator and i've exposed thousands of personal flaws that i can now do something about uh so i hope you all listening have uh, have the same experience as well i feel like i'm field dressing your feelings and have reassembled you as a taxiderm human being it's triage constant triage yeah oh yeah well i'm glad i could help out and <laughs> i've learned a lot too Wow, so so if this is it for talking better, George, will you and I ever speak again, or, or do you think this is it for us as well? Unless you uh, need some sound effects, uh, I have no plans to talk to you ever again. That's okay, I can produce my own farts. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you never again. Thank you. On Talking Better. I talk, talk, big and big, bit talk. I talk, talk, and big and big, and bit talking. I talk, talking, I talk, bit talking. I get better at just talking, gotta get better. Oh, good, you're still here. Just a quick final disclaimer that while Sean and I and some of the guests on our podcast are employees of Jellyvision, the opinions you hear are all our own opinions and not those of Jellyvision itself. So, uh, again, th- thanks for coming and hanging in here this long. Just needed to say that at the end.